Hey guys, this is Mallory Rubin from Ringer University. This week, Ben Glicksman and I talked about Ohio State's shocking loss to Penn State, Alabama's unrivaled continued dominance, and the loaded Week 9 slate, a lot of ranked teams heading on the road. You can listen to this episode of Ringer University on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. You're listening to the Andy Greenwald Podcast. Hello, my name is Andy Greenwald. This is my podcast. Guys, I'm so excited about today's show. Uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with a guy I've now been interviewing for 14 years, which is a little bit crazy, Jim Adkins. Jim is the lead singer, songwriter, guitarist for the terrific Arizona-based band Jimmy Eat World. Jimmy Eat World just released their ninth album, Integrity Blues, last week. It's a really remarkable album, um, both for the quality of the songwriting and also for the degree of departure it is from previous releases. Um, the band was very forthright uh, about how they wanted to step outside of the comfort zone, step outside of their bubble, as Jim put it in our talk. Uh, they worked with a producer they'd never worked with before. They worked in a way they'd never worked before, and the songs really bear that out, both lyrically and musically. Um, I first started interviewing Jim uh, when I wrote a book about emo 14 years ago, Travel on a Tour Bus with him and the rest of the band in 2002, right when the middle, their, still their biggest hit, was Breaking and it seemed like they were part of a larger wave of emo bands or, um, I don't know, what you want to call them, um, melodic emotional bands, whatever, rock bands. They used to make those. Uh, and I've talked to him a few times since. Um, this was by far the most open uh, he's ever been. He's clearly been through some stuff and is processing stuff and doing it in a really uh, remarkably healthy way. So we ended up having what I thought was a pretty... Um, uh, intense conversation, one that I really appreciated about um, making changes as an adult, uh, growing into a career in music, being artistic, um, and like I said before, stepping outside the comfort zone. So, uh, plus um, a couple other things too, as you'll hear uh, about the formation of the band um, and how it all kind of seemed like almost an accident until it became a career spanning over 20 years. So without further ado, let's get into it. Um, oh, and by the way, I made a playlist of all my favorite Jimmy World songs that you can find on Spotify. Um, I'll, I'll tweet it, and you can find it. I'm on Spotify as, at, as Andy Greenwald. So let's get into it. This is my conversation with Jim Adkins from Jimmy Eat World. Hello, my name is Andy Greenwald. Welcome to my podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm very excited today. I'm joined here on the couch. This feels very formal, like a talk show. Uh, with the singer, guitarist, songwriter um, of one of my all-time favorite bands, Jimmy Eat World. Jim Adkins, welcome. Thank you very much. It's very important to have you here today. We're recording in late October. We have the faces of presidential candidates behind us. And I have to ask, does Hillary have a shot at Arizona? I think Arizona might be in play. Is Arizona in play? I think so. What, what, what do you I mean, feel who like? knows, man? Like, what do you hear on the ground? It's kind of... I definitely got to check my bubble. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because, like... An, uh, that's 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 one thing I've, I've uh, more and more so started to do is check my bubble. I have uh, uh, lots of different kinds of uh, you know like the the, the music community, mm-hmm. the arts community, yeah. the people that I'm bros with. Your bro community. My bros. Yeah. The, the, my uh, bro community. Oh, that's good. My brodio. Mm-hmm. Um, you can keep I going. Can, I can. Yeah. Just. I, I'm trying to cut back. Understand. <laughs> on the bro. But like you know, that's that's definitely shocker. That leans liberal a little bit, you know. But but uh, you know, I have a lot of buddies who are conservative. I don't know. It's anybody's game. The Arizona Republic hasn't endorsed 
I know. A, a Democrat for, for, for the presidency, I don't think ever, or maybe in like over 100 years. And they, they came out and endorsed Hillary. So that has to mean something outside of my bubble that, that, that there's, there's a shot. Well, I want to talk about your bubble. I want to talk about you leaving your bubble, but we should probably first talk about your record. Um, okay. Ninth Jimmy World Record, Integrity Blues came yeah. out last week. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Terrific record. Can you believe it? Uh, Nine records. Well, I, it's not just that I can't believe it. It's that I feel like I've seen you quoted a few times already talking about this record, saying the fundamental question of this record wasn't necessarily where we're going to record it, who we're going to record it with. It's why would we even do it? Like, what is the need? Why, what does it mean to have a ninth record? which is not a pause you had taken to consider before into the previous eight. Yeah. You know, there's definitely a level of self-awareness with us as people and with us as a band that, that um, feels new. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, it's beyond the nuts and bolts of it all. It's like, what's, what's really behind it? Um, yeah, I mean, we can go into the studio and bust something out, but why? Like, what's... Do we have an answer for that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and you know, with the songwriting, with, with the, the, the music itself, it's like, um, you know, there's the context of it, like your story, your um, setting, your scene, and the adversity that's presented in that. Mm -hmm. But what the song's really about is what's behind that, you know? like Behind it in terms of? Like the emotional whatever yeah. that's fueling the song. Yeah, yeah. Like what's 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 really behind that? You know, like like in the beginning, when we started to, uh, um, when we were just getting off of the, off the road for the last album for damage and and for doing like we, yeah we, we we hit it pretty hard for damage and we uh, then did a run of, of like anniversary gigs for for the futures album where we'd play that you know as an album and then extra stuff later on, which was really fun. But, uh, you know, I started to shift gears into, into writing on that and I noticed myself getting stuck because it was like, it just instantly see through like the, the whining. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're, okay, so. I mean, like you were writing against, things and you were like, this is not, this is just whining. This yeah, well, you, you gotta explore something into, to a point and then just see like, the answer to it and like this is not this just sounds like complaining so like you'd be asking a question a rhetorical question an artistic question in the song lyrically and you'd yeah. realize it wasn't and you get actually hung up, you get hung up on on the the details of it rather than like what's behind it right and it took me a minute to figure out like well that's what i should write about is like your what's what's really the solution here you know instead of exploring the problem what's what's really the solution like you get in right. an you get in an argument with somebody uh-huh and there's this, this intense like desire to be right. Do you really want to be right? Or do you want the, the real issues to be resolved? You know, you can get, so you can get caught up so much in, in like that part of it that you don't realize that's not what you, what you really want here. It's the battle versus the war. Yeah. Which is a little bit of an antagonistic yeah. way to say yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, and, and, and in this, just to give context to this, do you still primarily write lyrics first? So are you writing these down, never, these ideas? Never. You never do lyrics first? Never. Always music first? Well, I mean, like, I'm always writing. Yeah. And, 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 and what I would do is, like, maybe go back and kind of just hunt down, hunt down random things that, might, that I could draw from. Yeah. But it's never, it's always music first. 
So was there, is there an example of a song that ended up on the record that felt like, a, was there a moment that was a breakthrough? Because somewhere in the middle of this timeline, which we're getting muddied a little bit already, but because mostly we're just going to talk politics and heirloom varietals later, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Don't um, get me started. I, look, if there's one thing you care mostly about. the entire time on heirloom varietals. Human emotions are one thing, but tomatoes um, is that also in this break that you took from, from the road and from the band, you also did some solo shows. Yeah. And so, how, yeah. so at what point during this process was it just like one, ex, one extended period of, of writing or doodling where you realized that you were up against this? Or was there a specific breakthrough of a song? Or was it part of this process of dredging up the features material going out on the road that sort of led to well, a larger? Yeah, you know, it, 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 all, it all sort of unfolded um, kind of at, this, at, at the same time. Like we were winding down touring and we were beginning to like work on just new stuff, mm -hmm. you know, getting together, jamming, uh, you know, and, and, and um, you know, that would reach a point and then we'd move on to the next thing. We weren't really finishing anything and then it just came to the, I came to the, the, the realization like that, that um, well, I put forth to the guys an idea about like, uh, well, maybe we should just take a break, you know. Maybe, I, maybe, I can feel the nervousness behind that question even a year or two later as you're asking. Well, it. no, it's just sort of like, it's kind of, we've never done anything like that. Yeah. And it's always been it's, going back into the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I think that it was just something we really needed to do. You know, there's the, it's, it's really, it's really fascinating how this is all ended up because like, you know, there's your, your, Everything has reinforced itself as it's as as it's gone on. All these actions, like slowly, kind of opening yourself up to moving outside your bubble mm -hmm. and being rewarded by experiencing things that were beyond your expectations. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And and then that's that's like, oh, cool! I didn't expect to find myself here. You know? And then that sort of gives you a. a, a encouragement to take another step and that gives you encouragement to take another step and you know like some of those some of those things are rewarding you know less rewarding than others but yeah. like the general the general trajectory is like if you're willing to explore ideas um, if you're willing to check your ego yeah. and 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 say that you know maybe what my idea for what I need is uh, you know uh, limited or a construction of what you've already known. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly um, When you're willing to check that and explore something that is unfamiliar or new or possibly difficult or scary It's always 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 a Reward as someone who just you know moved out of the same place. He's lived for 17 years I've re only recently realized how much the, the 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 desire we all have for comfort or familiarity is as much a crutch as it is a benefit, and stepping outside of it. Yeah. But it gets harder, I think, as we get older to do that. And it's particularly interesting to hear you talk about this because, you know, a lot of when Jimmy World first gained fame and attention and, and devotion was because you were such a um, brilliant chronicler of a certain set of younger emotions. I think you know where, where younger people are afraid of stand on the precipice, afraid of what they're going to do next, of what's possible in their mm -hmm. life. Um, and we, we equate that feeling often with being like 17, 18, 20, 22. I think yeah. as we get older, it gets harder to, to go back out on the ledge. Yeah. 
I, I would, I would, yeah. I mean, I would, I would categorize like our our earlier stuff as being focused more on like the idea of discovery, mm -hmm. and that and that being like a an exciting thing. Yeah, a little bit scary, but exciting. A little bit scary. And then there is something that there is a flip that kind of switches as you get older, and you have experience, and those things aren't so scary. What do you do? Yeah. But 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 the, but the thing is the 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 truth is that that discovery is still there waiting for you you're just not willing to go get it mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you, you know what you've I mean? taken like, yourself out of yeah the i mean there's some like you were saying like there's something to be said for like um you know when you're involved in a creative endeavor or uh, uh you know you build a skill mm -hmm. or you you develop a competency with a craft mm -hmm. you have strengths and that's valuable mm -hmm. but to just take the 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 path that that exploits those strengths all the time you don't you don't get new strengths you know there's no chance for growth in that i think know? one of the things that people look at as an advantage of adulthood is that you can create an atmosphere where you can fail less like if you you know when you're a kid and you're in gym class and you're not right. good at shooting basketball or right. or playing dodgeball i'm not projecting here i just maybe maybe someone isn't good at those things the older yeah, well, you get, you don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, and when then the older you're, when, you get, you don't have to do math or whatever. When you're a kid, you play every sport depending on what's in season, yeah. and, and it doesn't matter if you're, if you're <laughs> you know, like you'll just do anything. And then, right, and then, but if you slowly winnow things away, that the, the chance of failure, if you equate it with, or if you equate trying things with the risk of failure, and you remove yourself from that possibility, I think you can get a little stunted. Although I understand why that's appealing, as someone who definitely has not played dodgeball or yeah. sports in general in a long yeah. time. I think you can fail any time. No matter how how good you are at something, I think yeah. the 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 real the real the you know I, I don't think you can view it's it's I think it's better it's better to to view everything as just data, okay? Like there's no such thing as failure. There's positive and negative outcomes, and that informs the direction of your effort. This is very five thirty eight. Now we're back on the election. Very Nate Silvery. <laughs> That's good. No, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, so I tried this, it didn't work, or I tried this and it worked out, yeah. or I tried this and it, it, it sort of like, hmm, that raised new questions. That, so, that directs like what you do next. It doesn't mean that you failed. So, so, talk, so just to, to, to anchor the conversation, the specifics of the record making process, was there a moment you took, the, you took a year off, basically, from the band? You did some solo shows and performing. Yeah, which was terrifying. Despite having been a performer now, you know, and being on stage with people for a very long it's time, different. What, what? I have a I have a big respect for people who just get out there and, and solo bust it, you know. <laughs> but and, you, and, you solo and, busted and, it in stand up too. I have a great respect for that too, because that's even more gnarly. Stand, stand up is you got nothing existentially like, yeah, terrifying. It sucks. It's kind of on you. And part of the performance is handling that, like knowing it's going to suck exactly. and you're going to die, like and you're, then rolling with it. Like with the group, with the band, it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're listening to whatever people are doing and you're responding to that by, mm -hmm. and you make choices and that kind of like is part of the flow of what's happening. But when it's just you, like you are responsible for uh, um, driving and also like, you know, you're re responsible for getting the momentum happening, but you're also responsible for, you know, every decision in that whole thing. And it's liberating because you can start and stop that on a dime. You yeah. can like, you know, there's, but it's also, but it's also terrifying because you have nothing to hide behind. You know, like there is always some super drunk dude, like 
close to the stage who thinks like he's the only person at the gig and like like I'll be playing something that maybe be like I, ah! <laughs> trying to get the clap going. I no wanna, one else, no one else is joining it. I he doesn't realize this it. Moment. He's just like, and, and, and I want to so, take this moment to apologize for that. For being that Personally, guy? Personally, for the, my behavior the other night, yeah. No, that's okay, dude. No, I was excited. You played, everyone takes their turn being the guy trying to get the clap going. You played if you don't don't, and I got kind of emotional, but do go on, yeah. Yeah, no, and so like if you're, if you're by yourself, what you, know, what, what, what you can do is like, I, I'll get like even quieter. <laughs> you're, this so is, that, this so is, a, that, this so is that, a comedian technique, yeah, this is so it. That, so that like maybe it sinks in, he's the only person clapping. Yeah. Or like his buddy be like, dude, dude. You yeah. know? <laughs> but like, but I mean, that's the kind of thing that you can do. But you're in control. Like you have to be really a lot, you know, playing solo is like you gotta be in tune with all that. Did you, um, despite nerves at the beginning, did you come to enjoy that? Was that fun by the end, having that level of control and, and oh, spotlight? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's a completely different thing and it was, it was really exciting, but um, different. And keeping with the theme of, of, of difference, was there a moment then in your writing when you felt a kind of a breakthrough? Um, just in terms of the perspective, in terms of the voice, in terms of channeling, basically not even channeling, breaking through that wall of conflict and getting to a deeper place. Because there are specific songs that I'm excited to talk to you about on the album that absolutely reflect what you've already been talking about. But I was wondering if just in the process, if there was one moment or if it was more of a gradual moment as the buildup to the new album actually started to. I think it was gradual. You know, just like taking taking small steps and being encouraged by that and then taking more steps and then taking more steps and after a while you end up in a place where it's like okay let's go let's get into it you know like it's kind of it's it's you see your path like i, th I think songwriting is kind of like you know you ask your there's something that happens and you don't know exactly why it happens but it, you you have a uh, a response that sticks with you mm -hmm. and you know, when you're develop when you're developing that into when you're trying to turn that into like a, a an art piece, you have to ask yourself questions about that, and that leads to answers, which you in turn ask more questions about. You know, mm -hmm. and it could be going this way, it could be going that way. After a while, you've built this big tree of of information, and like you know, writing a song is just kind of like picking your line on how you want to fall out of the tree. <laughs> like that, but how? You know, I think in all creative enterprises, particularly writing, no matter what you're writing, it's a balance between the craft, respecting the craft. There's a work aspect to it. I mean, it is your job um, <laughs> on one level. But it took me a long time to get to that real, like acceptance. Like, all right, I, this is what I do. It is. I have, I'm going to break it to you now. <laughs> this is now. You have a career. This is what you do. Um, yeah. But then the flip side of that is this this idea of tapping into the unconscious, right? That you kind of can't control, and it comes to you in the moment. Yeah. Um, and managing, I think, that those two different tracks is the key to any artistic endeavor, especially one that's professional. Sure, yeah. Did you find, do you, how do you do that? And did you find yourself veering more one way than the other in this process, in this particular process? Man, you know, there's no rules. And it's, I think it's, it's important not to set rules because then you're limiting, you know? Yeah. But generally what happens, like, you know, sometimes, sometimes it just happens all at once. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I won't I won't work on music unless I have an idea at the same time as far as like what a melody could be mm -hmm. like for vocals for like I might not have lyrics right away but vo like melody phrasing mm -hmm. it has to be coming along with a piece of music otherwise I'll just move on to something else okay. um, and sometimes like real lyrics come at the same time and within like a day songs done 
Other times, like, it's a year and a half of, 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 of struggling teeth. against it. Yeah. And, you know, God, I wish I knew what the, what the trick was to unlocking that. But, you know, you just try different things. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to explore absolutely everything about this. I'm going to write, like, 20 pages of every aspect of this, this, this idea, this yeah. theme. Like, what am I talking about? What could happen? What are the possibilities? Like, build a giant tree with it. And then, like, throw that on the fire and then just say 10 minutes, I got Go. Just write whatever, mm-hmm. and then that's the song. Part so of it could happen any 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 combination or or, or mixture as long as that. it happens. <laughs> as long as it happens, <laughs> that's dude. all that matters. End zone. Um, part of the process of shaking things up um, was working with a different producer, somebody you'd never worked with before. Um, Justin yeah. Meldel Johnson. Did I say it, Meldel, Meldel Johnson. Sure. JMJ. Yeah, I mean, people mess up his name so much now. I don't think he'd care. How how badly did I mess it up? No, that's fine. But it was, it, like, it was acceptable. It was accepted. It was within yeah. the realm of yeah, yeah, totally. Let's call him JMJ. Call him uh, JMJ. Yeah, he, he digs that. He is a musician himself. He played with Beck for many years and a bunch of other bands. Um, produced. He worked with Nine Inch Nails. He worked with Tegan and Sarah. He's worked with a lot of different acts. I s- had the privilege of standing next to him at your show at the Roxy the other night, which was awesome. <laughs> I highly recommend. If you ever have the chance to stand next to the producer of an album when the band is playing new songs from the album, I highly recommend it. He was so geeked. He was so pumped up, which was very nice. Um, just it seemed like he brought a different skill set or different energy to what you were doing and seemed to encourage different sounds because there are certainly songs on this record that um, take the band in places they haven't been before. Um, Past the Baby takes you in five or six different directions, I think, yeah. within the course of one song. What was that relationship like and how crucial was it to making the kind of album that you wanted to make as the ninth album? Well, now that it... I, it wouldn't exist without him, really. You know, I think um, how that came together is is uh, we'd always set an idea, like a, a rough timeline of about a year mm-hmm. that we would take off without even talking to each other about the band. And uh, did you have safe words <laughs> just, to, just to avoid? <laughs> no, I mean it's not. None of this. None of this is based out of like. Everything was 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 put in place to protect the band, right? And everyone was on. on yeah, board it wasn't like I, I I didn't go out and do solo material because I have like I think that's going to replace Jimmy Eat but, World. But like Zach didn't come up behind you sometimes, just like, hey dude, just hey just, dude, I got a good beat for that. Just 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 just, <laughs> just a little casual drumming to remind you what he's up to. Hey man, you know. <laughs> so no, no, okay, no, but it, you know, so we always knew that there would be a, a, a rough time when we get back together, and when we when we did. Um, you know, just that it, it, we felt like that time away from each other had really worked. It's like, oh yeah, I mean, um, Zach, our drummer, taught himself logic and recorded stuff on his own with his wife. Did did music you logic, know. not like not like the no the the, the, the software the software. Right. <laughs> yes, he finally he was so illogical grew, for yeah, years. He was so illogical. And he finally taught himself logic. No, no, but I mean, everyone just dug deeper into themselves and mm-hmm. and just you know, lived life, and we all found that was rewarding. You know, I think that reinforced what I've been talking about of, like, when you're, when you step out, um, you know, you don't always get, you know, the, 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 uh, (laughs) the size and the color of what you ordered. (laughs) 
but right. you get something that you need, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, just just kind of, I think just as a group, we decided to roll with that, and, and we kind of, you know, okay, well, what else could we do here? Because we know what we're going to get if we do the same thing. Mm-hmm. We know we, we could, of course, we could like, you know, save a bunch of money cut the record ourselves, get somebody who, who has better chops than us to mix it and, mm-hmm. you know, call that a record. And I don't doubt that we wouldn't get something that we were proud of. You know, we'd put effort into it and we'd make something. We'd feel great about it, but I mean, we know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- how, can we, how can we approach this with the opportunity to grow? Because I think that's what, um, you know what? What are you doing if you're not if you're not <laughs> trying to grow? Like, what's the point of any of this, really? You know, if you're just like executing based on your strengths, like, we're, how's that interesting to anybody? Well, so I can see why you were eager to go outside of the comfort zone for professional, musical, artistic reasons. Why do you feel that you were ready in this moment for personal reasons? What what put you in this place? Because we're talking about the desire to go out of the bubble. Why? Why now, in particular? Why did you feel ready for that? You know, I can't. I can't put into. The, there, there, there wasn't anything that's like one particular thing. You know. I think it's it's like. Uh, you know. Taking taking a small step. And just feeling what comes in from that, and then you know taking another one, and and feeling what comes in with that. Personally, that, not not just artistically. Yeah, I mean that that that. The personal thing it, it mirrors the artistic thing exactly. Okay. You know, like uh, you know I quit drinking three years ago. Okay. And that was a big. That was a that was a big sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of. Uh, you know, it feels great. You know, I was like, oh, wow, yeah. I can, I can, I can do so much more. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, cool. So it's just like, you know, these things that like, you'd, you have, when, when you're outside of the perception of yourself, like that's when you're on the right track. Yeah, when, when, when you feel like, when you're slightly questioning, like, is this me? Then you're doing the right thing. Or is this what's even possible for me? Yeah. Like this is. Yeah. You know. It's, um, it was interesting to think because there's these there there's a there's songs on the new record that take such a um, I think very beautiful um, view of humanity that's very generous. There's a generosity to a lot of these songs. You know, I was think I was of course listening back to all the records of yours that I love, and um, in many of them there is a a lot of um, lyrically there's a lot of self investigation self. Um, Flagellation, even sometimes. I was thinking about that line on "Let It Happen," where you refer to yourself as the evil one. Um, right, right. And there's more second person. I feel like on the new record, and particularly a song like "You Are Free," dovetails exactly with what we were talking about with um, the very beginning in terms of like, do you want to win this argument or do you want to just figure out and, and be right? This idea of just telling someone who you are clearly in some sort of conflict with that that they're free to what, for whatever that means for them. You know, you're not even. Te- you're, it's past the point of dictating the terms which I think is a really beautiful sentiment and suggests a very kind of, well, there's a real maturity to that songwriting. Yeah. You know, I mean, like you, in that, in that regard, like it can be, it's not limited to the second person at all. 
You know, I think like your the the limitations of uh, they're 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 in your own they're your own making. Yeah. You know, and that, that's the same with me as the same with like you know, you know what's 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 the truth behind this 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 argument? You know, it's 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 that you when it comes down to it, you're fighting for the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just your ego's getting in the way of... To express of, yourself and yeah. to find a kind of happiness or peace. Yeah. Um, you know, even from the stage the other night at the Roxy, I think you mentioned it when you were introducing... There's a song called The Middle. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It was uh, did pretty well a couple of years ago. Yeah, we played it out a couple of times. Yeah, once or twice. Um, and uh, you talked about it as in terms of, you know, this fight we have and this battle over external validation as versus self-validation. And... It struck me that a lot of the language that we're using, even just talking now, um, I hope you don't mind me saying this, it's like language that I learned in therapy um, that has helped me a lot. Yeah, yeah, and, I know. Yeah. And I, I sort of love the fact that, for myself personally as a fan of the band, that the, the, basically the songs in many ways went from, if you go back to Bleed American, finding therapy or solace or companionship in other songs, in music, in the celebratory thing that you're doing, to this more mature way of finding therapy in therapy, you know, and thinking about things in a more yeah. considered sense. Is that, a, is that a fair line to draw? Sure. Thanks. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it's, you know, that's funny. I mean, I guess that part of me was always lurking. Yeah, it, but, but now it's, it's still like, the same person. I didn't mean to suggest but now, otherwise. No, but it's, but, it's so, but it's so true. It's like, that's... Um, you know, there's that nugget that's that's always kind of there, but now it's it, it's it's just like, oh, <laughs> maybe that was maybe that was my subconscious kind of like, dude, 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 down just, here, just trying to smack you, yeah. yeah. But but or what it suggests is that there was a questioning and there was a curiosity about that. Then it just didn't find the right receptacle or it didn't sync up with the right source. Not that I was too busy partying, dude. You're having too much fun. <laughs> yeah. But it, so you know, we first sat down to to do an interview. 14 years ago, which yeah. is disturbing. Um, and he's not a choice, dude. Which, <laughs> no, I know. And so that was like on a tour bus when you guys were touring with, uh, um, that was with Blinken, um, Blinken Green Day. Yeah, that pop disaster. Pop disaster tour. Yeah. Uh, so it's 2002. The middle is, is breaking big. And you guys had already been through quite a roller coaster with the first record and then Clarity. And then suddenly this was all happening. And you guys were opening this big tour on this big bus. And I remember um, having a great time, b having really good conversations, but I also remember feeling like there was a it was kind of a wall that I didn't feel comfortable even trying to scale. In that, these songs that that we were we were talking about objectively were incredibly meaningful to me and to many other people. Um, had a, uh, there was a wrenching emotionality to them, but that wasn't a place you wanted to go in talking about them. There was like a, yeah. there was a lot of like, which I don't think was really passing the buck, but there was a lot of, you know, these songs could be about anyone. I think on some level you were protecting the audience because you were saying, I don't want to say what these songs are about because they mean so much to other people. Yeah, in, in part, I mean, that's kind of how I've always rolled. Because mm -hmm. I've always felt that like what makes music special has nothing to do with me. You know, it's all about like a listener taking the time to invest themselves to, 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 to sit with the work and build their own associations with it, mm -hmm. you know? Like, then it means, then it's yours. Mm -hmm. 
and no, no one can take that away from you, you know, like, so I felt like, part, in part, in part because of that, like, art is, is going to mean something, it only means something unless you make it mean something for yourself. Right. Um, in a way, you're, you're the conduit, you're, you're taking this raw material, you're creating something, yeah. and then it has a life after that. Yeah. That, that, and that in part is like how I, you know, that's me as a music fan. Mm -hmm. Like I realized that about like what makes music special for me is what I'm bring, is what I'm deciding it means and what I'm deciding it mm -hmm. is for me. Um, but in, in, but in, in second, man, like I got high bottom problems. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Okay. So this, this girl you went out with in college, it didn't pan out. Like you're going <laughs> to, you're going to say that's, you're going to wave that flag around. Like it's a big deal. <laughs> You learn something about dating. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> <laughs> or you know what I mean? Like, like I felt like just an asshole, like saying that, like, okay, here's here's this song, and well, there's also might be a perspective problem then, because if you take a song like 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 Clarity or something, the song, which you know to me is just it's one of the most emotional songs that I can think of, rock songs, and I'm not saying emo in that case. Just it's a purely emotional song to me. But, and that means something to me and I can connect with the feeling behind it. Right. And so if you were to tie it to whatever happened in your past, whatever college, maybe it was just like a bad month long relationship that went sour, that sort of changes that relationship, right? It almost brings it down off the mountaintop of pure feeling and becomes specifically a thing. I totally get it. I totally get why people want to know more about something that they're curious. You know, they're, they're, they're interested in this. They want to get closer to it. Yeah. They want to know more about it. Totally get it. I just think that the truth is so boring. <laughs> well, know, not to you, like the, but it's boring. You think it's boring to others, like I mean, telling someone about your dream. You read like you read like you know like the the relationship dynamics in in Thomas Hardy novels, and it's right on with what's happening in current. You know, yeah. I mean, like it's nothing new. I'll go on Hardy. We could just talk. We could just go this pure nothing, 18th century. This nothing. You know, like the weakness is doubly weak by being new. <laughs> right. Like that's that's you know. That's, of course, like, duh, like, that's, it. I don't know. I just feel like my experience is important to me, and it means something to me, but, but it's not any more important than what somebody else is bringing to, to, to the table. Has that allowed you to keep these songs fresh artistically as well? Because you, you know, I, I, I saw you guys play Clarity on the 10-year anniversary of it. I'm kicking myself that I missed you guys playing Futures on the anniversary of that. But even when I saw you the other night, when you were playing songs that are now um, 17 years old, 12 years old, yeah. you certainly did not seem to have any performative distance from them. You know, you were able to, to, to tap into whatever passion you had for the material then, now. Did that, did making them their own thing and keeping them a little bit separate from your own experience help you do that? Or did the act of going out and playing them, you know, a decade later and seeing the connection and seeing how vibrant that was, did that, does that inform how you play them still? That's more about just wiping your expectations before you go on stage. Okay. And letting it unfold and trying to like connect and feed off of what's happening. That's why I'm in the front clapping like that. I'm, yeah, just, I'm, I'm there to help you. Yeah. You don't en realize Encouragement. That. <laughs> that's, that's what I do. That's yeah. what I bring. Yeah. No, I mean like then it's, then it's a unique experience. I've done this a million times, right. but like it's a unique experience now. Like you just try to get, it, you just try to be present and 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 and, and, and appreciate what's happening. One one other question that that takes us back to the tour bus 
rolling through Texas. Back to the bus. Back to the bus, man. It always goes back there. I was not in any way ready to even ask about or think about this, but I believe the timing works out that that was the year that your, your first child was born, around then. Yeah. And I was not even, I, I now have a child, so now I, I think I get a lot more of it. Yeah. I can't fathom what a crazy time that must have been for you because <laughs> you had a child and you have everything that you had been working towards to some degree was, yeah. was taking off. I mean, you had a hit record, you had a hit song, which wasn't always the end goal, I know, but it's basically this idea of it's all happening and it's all happening at once. Looking back on that time now, how do you even look at it? How, how were you processing it? How do you feel about what that time meant to you? Which was, it, which was more improbable? It's all like, I don't know, I just kind of like, what was I doing? What was I doing? I was just taking, I was just taking it all in and trying to like do the best I could with it all and, and like. That's so healthy, that's such a healthy not, answer. It didn't sink in until much, much later on, like just what a big deal Bleed American turned into. Right, because you were in the middle of the maelstrom. Yeah, you know, like I didn't take any of it really seriously. I didn't appreciate any of it for, for, for what it was at the time. Like, and I think that was kind of a self-defense mechanism. Right. You know, because we knew it, it's a fragile thing and we've always felt like we were getting away with something, <laughs> doing this thing at all. Yeah. You know, like, um, uh, do you know how, did we talk about like how we became, how we got started at all? No. I mean, it, that back then did we talk yeah. about it? Uh, probably. I didn't really look, I didn't, I didn't go over my notes. Like, we... I mean, as a band. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, the, we were a band for eight months. Mm hmm. And, um, you know, my roommate, you know, back then, like, you know, this is like I was 18. Mm -hmm. We were 18 and 19. And my, room, my, my, my college roommate at the time was like, I want to be a label. <laughs> I'll put out your record. Yeah. Cool. Sweet, dude. We're going to have a record. You know, like, uh, and another buddy of mine was like, hey, dude, let's be promoters. This is unbelievable. Cool. I, I don't think I realized this. Yeah, I mean, because you could, I mean, it was like awesome. This is dude. like reverse let's engineering on, a career. Let's be, let's put on shows, dude. Let's like, you know, there's a, a really crappy spot. We can have punk bands come and play. Yeah. Let's do it. So it was like, cool, let's do it. <laughs> and um, we, we, we listed ourselves in maximum rock and roll they had like a a a, mm -hmm. a uh, it was like looking a for a supplementative publication called Book Your Own Fucking Life. Yep. That was like so genius at the time, you know. This is this is pre-internet kids. And you know, but basically it was like state by state, it it was like you could write in and list yourself as like a resource mm -hmm. for touring bands for um, you know, promoters like zines, food spots, whatever. And uh, so we said, we, we listed ourselves in there and um, we, uh, that was also at the time that the, the first, the first like seven inch came out and got like a really good review in, in Maximum Rock and Roll. Yeah. Which was like, oh dude, that was like playing Saturday Night Live you made back it. then. You're yeah, done. Dude, yeah. this is, this, we, got a, we got an actual record and it got reviewed. Like, this is nuts. Um, and so 
Christy Front Drive from Denver, yep. they were doing their first like kind of run of gigs and they had a, they had a, um, a support slot for Sensefield in LA and they needed help getting down to LA and so mm -hmm. they, they, they didn't know anybody, they just like flipped through the, the book your own life and called us. I didn't, I thought saying, you knew those guys. This, I, how, this is how we knew, this is how we met. So they, they, they called us and were like, dude, we need help with a gig. Here's, here's like five LPs of our, of our, of what we do. Yeah. And it was, and we're like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude, totally. So we set up possibly the worst show for them with like seven bands. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause like we didn't know what we we're doing. Yeah. And, uh, and my, my buddy was like, you know, we got this record label. Would you want to do a split with Jimmy at world? So without even hearing us, they said, yeah, sure, cool. Because like someone wanting to put out your stuff back then was a big deal. Like yeah. To put up that money and, and Especially and, and from release. somewhere else that wasn't yeah. from your town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a big deal. Doing, doing split records with, pe with bands in different areas was a huge way that you yeah. got to, you know, because when you're in t their town, like, you play with them. And when they're in your town, you play I, with them. And I don't think people like, realize how regional and factional music was. Yeah. To get from one region to another was enormous. Oh, yeah, it, totally. There, there was no internet to link everything into one national scene. Yeah, totally. So... Without even hearing us, they agreed to that, and they kept going on tour. They opened up for Sensefield, and um, uh, Lauren Israel, who, was, who at the time was a scout for Craig Aronson at, at Capitol, yeah. like, saw them, was like, you guys are great. What else do you have out? So they said, well, we're doing the split record with Jimmy Eat World, this band from Arizona. So he hunted down our 7-inch yeah. from, uh, uh, I want to say Toxic Ranch, which was a distro in Tucson. <laughs> got the seven inch, played it for Craig at Capitol. Craig dug it, and then like eight months into being a band, we had some dude from Capitol at our local gig. Yeah, this is saying saying like, let's talk. It should always be that easy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's just insane. And so, you know, we thought getting back to my original place that we went on this tangent it was like we felt like we were always getting away with something by the fact we're doing any of this. Like at the worst, we'll have some funny stories about going to LA. But, I, re but I remember this, I remember that, I do remember the nature of that story and I remember the, also the, that attitude. Like it's almost like these zealot like you stumbled into a career. Um, mm -hmm. But it's also undeniable that at some point, you know, I, I think I really like Static Prevails, but I like Clarity a lot more. And I think that there's a moment, there's something on that album that really feels like a band and a songwriter that is just like, oh, I can do this, or I could do this. And one of the joys of that record for me is not is that feeling of exploration and also burgeoning confidence. You know, there are yeah. big risks on that record, sonically, and things that, you know, you, from the beginning, from starting yeah. the record that way to ending it uh, with Goodbye Sky Harbor. I mean, Dude, that is not, that's not a lucky break at that point. When, when we did Static Prevails, like, for us and for Mark Trombino, producer, engineer, like, Tambourine was a step outside the box. <laughs> this is what I'm saying, right? But you're like, oh man, you're playing tambourine. Like that's so, like that's not punk. But Static Prevails. <laughs> what year? Static Prevails is '97. We made that in '95. It came out in '96. '96. Yeah. Clarity comes out in '99, but you've made it '98, right? Yeah. Um, that's not very long. That's not a very long time to have suddenly go from tambourines yeah. to multi-tracked vocal harmonies. We got really into recording ourselves. Like I, I, I had a four-track. You know, and I, I, I would record like a cassette format four track that I would record like any crappy band that that, that I was buddies with. We, you know? Was this purely inspired by Bob Pollard? 
because that's why I had a Ford Tracker. No, no, no I, didn't get a guy, I didn't get a GBV until later, but okay. like it was just like, yeah, this is cool. I want to do that, and I just you know started writing more, like with idea of, of multi-track as like a as like a way yeah. to, like where production kind of informs the writing. Right. And uh, you know, just over over time, the, as a band, we we started amassing more and more crappy recording gear, and. Just that idea of using production as like using production as a writing tool, like it just got it just developed and developed and developed, and um, you know, computer using utilizing computers, and the 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 space that that opened up was kind of developing and developing and developing. Like Stack Prevails was all two inch analog. Clarity was like we did drums to two inch, and then. Pro Tools was chasing that. Yeah. So it was like, you know, a little bit of, you know, we had like what we felt was like the best we can get out of analog, but then the 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 options that opened up with 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 digital. Mm-hmm. And so that just was like, okay. And and plus like dude, we don't know if we're ever gonna get a chance to make a record like this again. Let's rent Timpani today. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. That's a good attitude to have in that in that yeah. circumstance. No, totally. In a way in a way, Integrity Blues is like coming back to that, like, you know. All in, no plan B. Yeah. Let's do it. We're doing it. Yeah. One of the things that I think people still respond to about about Bleed America in particular um, is that I think I alluded to it earlier, but there's just such like a full throated joy about music. You know, obviously when you have Davey come on and sing with you, when you, you reference Jesus and Mary Chain and other other acts in it. Yeah. Um, the chorus of sweetness about, you know, basically about like, let's share this moment. I mean, it's an incredible, ple- it's, for me, like those songs and maybe work as well, they're like my platonic ideal of what a rock song should be. Because oh, it's cool. basically about like, let's get in the car, let's go where we're going, we don't know where we're going, sing it back to me. Like, it's very, very, um, it's almost primal in the way it channels yeah. into it. You have made your ninth record. You, it is a career. There's no question at this point. I'm sorry <laughs> to drop that bomb on you. Uh. Do you still <laughs> feel that? joy, that enthusiasm, that excitement about rock and roll. Even more so. Really? Yeah. As time goes on, it's easier and easier to appreciate even the smallest things that kind of comes back in our favor. You know? Because it ends. <laughs> you think about that. It ends. Oh, well, yeah, man. Like, the first thing, our, uh, in 95, our, 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 uh, our first manager, like, gave me the, the Don Passman's book on audio tape. And like the first thing he says is like your career is finite. Let me say that again. Your career is finite. Yeah. You know, and, and, and like that that really puts it in. Per, if you breathe that in and accept it, like it means, you know. I take it as, like, dude, you get to play music. There's a big difference between working hard and being real busy. Yeah. And if you think you're working hard, take, take another look at what you're doing and seeing if you're, are you just really busy or are you working hard? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just really busy. You know, like, enjoy this. Like, what? Really? You're, you're going to get upset about, about playing music? You're playing music. You know, like, I see, it's, I don't know, maybe that's just one of those things that kind of comes with, like, doing it a long time and what I said before about the, 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 the self-awareness that I feel is like present in what we're doing now, yeah. but like, it, 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 we truly are getting away with something. 
Well, you said that that your yeah. career twenty years ago, but now it's a different. No, no, it's it's we're still getting away with it. Like I mean, to be a rock band in twenty sixteen and you know have no, people it's come incredible. to shows. It's yeah, it's it's there aren't many. It's not it's not lost on me. It's something that we appreciate, and it's like, you know, I never expected it. None of us ever did. You know, it's like just amazing. You're out of your bubble. You've done this new yeah. record. You're out there. How are you? I just want to end on this. Like, how are you? You seem good, but how are you? I'm great. I don't think I've ever been better. That's good. No, for real. Like, you know, it's, 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 uh, I mean, yeah, there's things. Everyone's got things. A couple things. A couple things. People have some more things than others, but like, it's the darker the place you find yourself in, it's really just an opportunity for growth. And that's even, true. Even though it's hard to remember that sometimes. It's really hard. It's really hard when you're on the other side of that to, 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 to view it as, as, as that. But it's true, you know? And, um, you know, that's just how I look at everything now. And it, it's, I'm, I'm constantly rewarded. There's, there's constantly a reward for, for, for approaching life in that, that way. And, and, you know, not a lot gets to me now. I think that's amazing. I think that has the benefit of both being inspiring and being true. So thank you, Jim, for taking the time to talk to me. I hope we don't wait yeah. another decade to do it. Let's, let's, let's chat again let's soon. Let's chat again soon. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, awesome.